Father, we just want to thank you once again for this morning. One more day in the land of the living. Truly, Lord, your mercy is on you every morning. You've given us yet another day. An incredible, incredible privilege that we as your children could gather once again in the house of the Lord, in your presence, because your word says where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there amongst you. And we just want to thank you, Lord, for your presence this morning here in your house. And Lord, even as we, Lord, meditate upon your word, teach us your ways, show us your paths, guide us, lead us through the Spirit, anoint us, even as we receive your word by faith, fill us with your Holy Spirit, anoint us, empower us, encourage us, exhort us, strengthen us in our resolve to walk with you. Warn us, prepare us, O Lord, for the days ahead. To that end, I pray that you would, Lord, bless us during this time of meditation, even in the speaking and in the hearing. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name, amen. So we've been looking at studies of last days, preparing for the coming of the Lord. Let's uh, look at a few verses. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36 onwards. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. And then some incredibly sobering statements which are not very easy to digest. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken. Then, okay, then during these times of judgment upon the earth, two men will be in the field. How many will be taken? One. One will be taken. Two women will be grinding in the mill. How many will be taken? One will be taken. And the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. So these are the people who are awake. One working in the field, one grinding in the mill. Who are awake. And what about those people who are sleeping on the other side of the, of the, of the, of the planet? So again, Luke's Gospel chapter 17 verse 34, it covers everything, okay? All both sides of the planet are covered, okay? I tell you in that night, here there is day, People who are working, men and women who are in the field, grinding the will. I tell you, in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken, and the other left. So if you look at, <laughs> when, you, when we read these, uh, these verses, you just have to pause for a minute. And see, you don't have to look at your wife or your children or anybody in the members of the congregation. You have to look at whom? Uh, here, yourself, basically, you know. Empirical data is here. All experiments are going here only. You know? 
So the question is, will, will I be among that one? I like that one. One. Okay. One. So basically, Jesus is talking about individuals. Individuals who are ready. It's not just a corporate entity who are just suddenly taken up. It's like individuals scattered all around the world. It's that, it's that mystic entity, what we call as the church, the spiritual entity made up of all kinds of believers from one end of the earth to the other. Okay. Different parts of the world. They will be caught up. One will be taken and the other. So the, 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 the emphasis is upon the individual. So, I titled today's uh, meditation as Rapture Ready. Everybody read that, okay? This is all intentional over here. Rapture Ready Individual. Okay, because there's individuals who are taking, okay? Don't, don't, worry, don't worry about your wife, don't worry about your children, don't worry about yourself. In as far as I'm concerned. If you have, if you're a wife, don't worry about your husband, don't worry about your children, worry about yourself. If you're children, don't worry about your mother and father, <laughs> worry about yourself. And the, the the reason why I use the word individual because the word individual comes from the from the combination of words the peop, the person who is indivisible. What is that? Indivisible. Who's not divided? He's individed, indivisible. From which in means not divisible means not divided. That is the reason why I use you use the word individual. You no, know? see when you teach. Uh, arithmetic on maths to children, the biggest conundrum problem that they face is, you know, in the arithmetic operations is division. Am I right, Kritika? Yeah, division. And later on, with fractions. Fraction. <laughs> they get fractured only. <laughs> Honestly, I've seen across the, uh, in, in, my, in my teaching career, I've seen across, I'm talking about teaching even at the university level. The biggest problem people face is with fractions. Adding integers is... 3 plus 2, 5 plus 7, yeah, they'll, from, from the back of their head, they can easily do it. Ask them to divide 1 by 5, divided by 1 by 2. What is that? What is 1 by 5 divided by 1 by 2? You know the mathematical operation. How do you, how do you conceive it in your mind? <laughs> you see, it's, 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 in Telugu, there's a, there's a, there's a very interesting phrase. Agamya gocharam. Agamya gocharam. You know what Agamya gocharam means? Conundrum. It's a conundrum that they can't wrap their minds around. What is this 1 by 5? What is this 25%? <laughs> you, so it's not easy for them to, to, to wrap their minds around because, 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 according to Lepal Chronicle, God made integers. The rest is the work of man. <laughs> he said, you know, integers God made. He is interested in individuals. Who is he interested in? Individuals. Individuals. One on one. You know, yesterday we were singing that song. We'll tell how much we love our king. Okay. We'll, we, uh, with our hands lifted eye, we celebrate and sing. And we'll tell how much we love our king. Meaning, every person, how do you love a person whom you don't know? It's impossible. How do you love a person whom, who has not dealt with you? Kindly. You, how would you love a person whom, with whom you do not have a one-on-one relationship? It's impossible. It's impossible to love the person. You can, you can, you can, you, nobody, I mean, it's, even if you have the best prime minister, you cannot say, I love our prime minister. You can, it's very difficult to say, I love my prime minister. 
Very, very difficult to say that. Unless and until you have been dealt with as he's intervened into your life personally and shown forth his love and poured out your love and you experience that love, it is impossible for you to respond because we love him because he first loved us. You see that? So, God is interested in individuals. Even though we worship as a corporate entity, God is working on each one of us separately. So when rapture takes place, we will all be caught up, not as a group. <laughs> I mean, it will be great if we get caught up as a group. That will be awesome. Uh, but even in our church, I could be preaching and suddenly you could be <laughs> raptured. And I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> because somebody will, play, it's, 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 it very clearly says, uh, someone will be working in the field for me. According to according to Apostle Paul, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, you are God's building, you are God's field. Okay, I planted Apollo's water. So if I, if I'm the person who's planting or watering in the field, and suddenly, <laughs> if the church whom, to whom I'm preaching gets raptured, I'll be interesting. Whom am I going to be preaching to? <laughs> or the other way, you know, suddenly I'm preaching and suddenly I'm just caught up and I'm gone. What's going on? You see? I mean, we should never be, um, you see, what we call as overconfident, thinking that, uh, you know, I'll be raptured. Or it doesn't take, it will not happen in my life. Hmm? So are we rapture ready? So we all know the first, the, the very uh, interesting verse we all read. No, Romans chapter 10 verse 17. Now you should be able to tell it from the back of your mind. What is it? Quote from memory. Romans chapter 10. Don't look at me. Stare at me like that. Spanking. You'll get to dunda only. Huh? Okay, let's let's catch somebody's surprise. Uh, what's, what's the name over here? The man behind the camera? You're hiding very, very nicely. <laughs> Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says what? Faith. Ah. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the... See, shame on you. Did you see? You got so familiar with the Bible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What kind of faith? For example, if you want to have the lot kind of faith where you will escape the flames and escape the judgment, all your works burnt, that kind of faith comes by hearing the lot kind of teaching. Lot kind of hearing. Right? Simple, no? According to you, I mean, what is your hope? Like Pastor keeps saying, what is your hope? What kind of a teaching? See, what kind of a teaching did produces what kind of a hope and what kind of a faith? If you want to have the faith that will be, make you ready for rapture, you should listen to the teaching which will generate the faith which will make you rapture ready. You see, they're, they're very simple logic. I mean, it's not no no brain of this. Okay, it's not a brain at all. You just have to think uh, straight, and you will understand what I'm talking about. So if you have the faith of, let's say, uh, Noah, okay, I will come through judgment. Okay, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to even think on those lines, actually, okay. But if I want to be an individual who is going to be rapture ready, then I have to teach, listen. I mean, I should have the faith, first of all. I should have the faith of an individual who is going to be rapture ready. Right? And therefore, I should listen to the teaching which will give me that kind of a faith and produce that kind of an obedience which will make me rapture ready. Individual. Individual. Okay? Because you remember Solomon? Divide this among the two women. You said, this is my child, this is my child. Okay? Half for you, half for you. One lady understood. You cannot divide individuals. (laughs) If you divide them, they are gone. Half plus half is not equal to one. 
at least in, in, in as far as the kingdom of god is concerned <laughs> you understand what i'm saying right <laughs> so we should listen to the teach, teaching which will generate that kind of a faith right so therefore we should go to scriptures because we need to understand the ways of god romans chapter 15 verse 4 will say for whatever things were written before were written for our learning other translations will use the word they to teach us that we through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope right by hope and and we know that faith is a substance of the things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen and therefore i mean if, if by definition what you hope for will be related directly connected to the faith that you are having as at the present moment and vice versa okay so what is your hope where is your hope and what is what kind of a person you want to be be ready i mean i hope i want to be raptured i mean really honestly but am i ready i am not sure 100% no i mean like paul can we say to to be absent with the, in the body is to be present with the lord can you say that with with confidence hmm? i have finished the work that god has given me can you say that with confidence is the plan b for you okay so so we, when we read through the bible we have prototypes okay we have the quintessence the quintessential rapture, rapture ready individual the quintessential rapture ready individual can anybody anybody quote that person the prototype of a person who was rapture ready huh yeah if you were studying we coming to the bible studies in nepali and otherwise hebrews chapter 11 let's read read from verse 5 lead from listen from the life of enoch okay by faith enoch so he had the faith which will make him what rapture ready okay that faith has to be generated and that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of god by faith enoch was translated that he should not see death and was and he was not found in other words he was taken because god translated him okay and before before his translation he had this this testimony okay that he pleased god so there are three translations that are that i mentioned over here obviously we look, look at that i mean it's a type of a believer in christ a type of a believer in christ who's escaped the penalty of sin who's escaped the power of sin and finally who escaped the presence of sin all right so this is a it's a type it's a, essentially a type of the believer and then he says enoch was translated he should not that he should not he, that he should not see death and then he says he, he, he did that by faith by faith he had that kind of faith and then it says uh, romans chapter 11 verse 6 but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek so so this kind of faith which will make one individual and you know that enoch was not enoch had sons and daughters enoch had uh, by connotation by extension by induction by by implication he had a wife basically i think he had one wife okay uh, <laughs> okay uh, uh, because at least two prototypes are given in the bible uh, of people uh, at least the other prototype that we have is the person who escaped judgment is noah and how many wives did he have one okay elijah had no wife so so i'm like, i'm thinking that enoch had only one okay <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> because he had sons and daughters who went through one wife yeah absolutely no no problem those days but without faith it is impossible to please him 
for he that cometh to God. So that this he is that individual Enoch. So how did he have that faith? So it's everybody starts at the same level. By, by, by the way, Enoch did not start at a different uh, point in life. Everybody starts at the same level. See, salvation, there's one common platform for everybody. There's no other foundation other than that one particular foundation. What is that foundation? Jesus Christ. So everybody starts at that level. Everybody starts at the foot of the cross. But how do you end up depends upon the choices that you make. Even as you progress in life. Okay. So Genesis chapter 5 will give us a clue as to how Enoch escaped. And where did he start? Hmm? Let's read from Genesis chapter 5. This is very interesting. You read this passage, you'll see some very interesting truths. Okay. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. The DNA of Adam is being described. Genealogy means DNA. Okay. Very interesting when he, when he talks about uh, the genealogy of Noah. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. Perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Okay. And then he had sons and daughters. Oh, sorry, sons and daughters-in-law, of course, for his sons. So he says, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. This is the DNA of Adam. In the day that God created him, this was the day, this was the genealogy or the DNA of Adam before the fall. How did he create him? He made him in his likeness, in the likeness of God. He created them both male and very clear. There's a clear demarcation. Why is there is an assault in the book of, on the book of Genesis? Now you feel, you will, if you'll see recently one lady who won the, one, Lady of the Year. I mean, it's a very strange generation. A man becomes a woman and gets a woman of the year award. I mean, very, very interesting. A man becomes a woman, gets a woman of the year award. A strange generation. He was also <laughs> translated, yeah. So very clear. Male and female, he created them. There's a clear demarcation. Clear demarcation. Very few uh, churches are there now in North America who actually talk about this very clearly. Emphasize this over and over again. They call them fundamentalists. You know what, when you say, when you use the word fundamentalist, what what do you think about, you think about a a guy with a beard and with a, with a, with a turban or whatever cap, skull cap. Okay. Skull cap and saying, Allah Akbar. That's what you think. This is the prototype you, ha- you have of a fundamentalist. What are you doing when you call those people fundamentalists? You're vilifying them. You're slandering them. You're painting a picture which is not true. You call them fundamentalist. And I, I remember somebody, somebody sometime back he came to me and he says, I'm, bro, I'm going abroad. Can you suggest a church? I said, one thing I, sh- I look for, I look for a church where they preach the cross. It doesn't matter what Bible they use, okay. So I was l- looking on the internet and I f- found a, a, a fundamentalist Baptist church, okay. They preach the KJV, period. They say KJV is the authentic word. Now, I appreciate that because in a place like, you know, North America, where you hold on to 1611 authorized, authorized version. I appreciate that. Where there's, where there's pressure from all sides to conform. And so, you know, let's, let's dilute the translations. And they, and they held on to that. So I did not look at the, 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 the Bible translations that you're using, but one thing I look at, how, what, how do they understand the cross? For me, that is most important. Because without the cross, there's no Christianity. How, 
and, and cross, by the way, you can, you, you, cross is not an idea. It's not, it's not like a go to the class and learn about the cross. No. You can never articulate the cross unless until you have experienced the cross at least to some measure in your life. See, we can say, you know what, I've been buried with him. Huh? I've been, sorry, I, I've died with him. I've been buried with him. I was made alive with him. I'm uh, raised again. and I'm You can confess all that, but unless and until it becomes a reality in your life, you will never be able to articulate it, even in your thoughts and in, even in your words and even in your actions. The articulation of the cross is an experience. Okay, so when, when, when you, when you, so this person came and said, you know what, this, these people understand the cross, go there. So he consulted with somebody else. And, you know, and he said, you know what, somebody suggest me, suggested me this church. And then that person said, hey, that is a fundamentalist church, don't go there. The moment you use the words fundamentalist, what has happened, you have vilified those people without even giving them a chance. It says, if you come to a conclusion before, before hearing a matter, it is a folly and a shame unto you, according to the book of Proverbs. If you come to a conclusion before hearing a matter, it is a folly and a shame unto you. So what do people do? They vilify. They slander. That is slander in a very, you know, subtle sense. Oh, don't go there. They're fundamentalists. What do you mean? They're very good in fundamentals. See, you don't, no, don't go to Chaitanya. Why? They're fundamentalists. Do you really say that? Oh, everybody wants to go to Chaitanya because they are very strong in their fundamentals. Because you want to send your child, oh, sorry, not to China, <laughs> to your children to IIT. But then you go, you don't want to ch- send your children to heaven? Oh, no, 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 no. They are fundamentalists. You see what you're doing? You're vilifying. Anyway, that is besides the point. He created them male and female. This is the likeness. This is the genealogy. This is the plan of God. This is the plan of God before the fall of Adam. Look at what it says. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them what? Mankind. Who called them? God. So whom did he call mankind? Both male and female. Very clear. Definitions are very clear. You see, I'm telling you something. You need to have strong definitions. The definitions have to be clear in your mind. You have to define words. If you cannot just manipulate them and give some definition according to your own imagination. No, 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 no. By definition, definition means something which is precise. How do you define it? Define. In other words, how you fine-tune, how do you come to a precise articulation of a particular thought or an idea? And then it goes on. Genesis 5 and verse 3. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son. This is after the fall. In his own likeness. Now, this is the likeness of Adam, not in the likeness of God now anymore. This is after the fall. And because how do we know it's after the fall? Because it's very clearly mentioned over here. After his image, and he named him Seth. After he begot Seth, then Adam lived 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Okay, then goes on. So all the days were Seth, were 912 years, and he died. So all the days of Enosh were 900 and five years, and he died. Verse 11. Verse 14. So all the days of Kainan were 910 years, and he died. So all the days of Mahalel were 895 years, and he died. So all the days of, uh, days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. How many people are, have, have, have been mentioned now? Six. Now come to the seventh. Okay, look at what it says. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. 
after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, not, he did not die. For God took him. So what does it tell me? It's a very clear lesson. As long as you are in Adam and in the likeness of Adam, what will happen to you? You will die. What should happen if you if you want to escape, fundamentally escape the, the judgment of God upon the earth? What should you do? You should pass over from life to, de- sorry, death to life. Death to life. And that happens when, not in Adam, but where? In Christ. So Romans chapter 5 will say, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. But who is the exception? Enoch is the exception. A type of a believer. A type of a believer who trusted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. In other words, very simple. I mean, I'm just talking about typologies over here, okay? Reign from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of him who was to come, that is Jesus Christ. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. And then goes on to say, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, but there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, okay, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men resulting in justification of life. So, so who is Enoch? Is Enoch is no longer in Adam. No, he is now a person who is a type of a believer who is in Christ, who has accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior and who has surrendered his life to him. And he's saying, Lord, now recreate me after the image of your son. Back to that image which I lost, which was marred by my fall. Okay, understand that? So what happens in John's Gospel chapter 5, verse 24, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and believes. Okay, there is a hearing of the word, and there is a believing in the word, on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from where? From death to life. That's exactly what happened to Enoch. Fundamentally, he started at the same place. Where we all start at the foot of the cross. Okay? Don't worry about them. It's okay. They'll, they'll be fine. Colossians chapter 1 will say, verse 12 onwards, giving thanks to the Father who qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Okay? He has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his son, of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So the first translation that happens is a translation by believing in the gospel, hearing the word of God and saying, Lord, now I no longer am under condemnation. Condemnation is for the people who are in the world. As far as I'm concerned, because I'm in Christ, there is no more condemnation. There's conviction definitely, but there's no condemnation because I have passed from, and by believing in the gospel, I passed from death to life. Let's move on now. Genesis chapter five. So what is the message that he heard is important. What is the message that he heard? Okay, what is the message that caused him to believe? <laughs> and what happens to him once he starts believing? Okay, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. Now, it's very interesting, okay? Now, very interesting. Now, when we when I ask you this question, because you are all GTC members, you will understand what you will very, uh, very nicely tell me the answer, I'm sure. But not the answer for I'm looking for. But anyways, let me ask you, what does Methuselah mean? After he dies, judgment comes. What kind of judgment? That is important, no? <laughs> okay. By the way, by the way, the word Methuselah in the, in the Hebrew, it actually means the man of the dart. 
the man of the dart. But the word Methuselah, if you look at the Greek, I mean, and it's mentioned in the New Testament only once. You know where it is mentioned? In the New Testament only once? If it's mentioned only once, where should it be mentioned? It's a good question, okay? It's mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ in the book of Luke. The gospel according to Luke, where he traces the genealogy all the way to Adam, yeah? So Methuselah is mentioned there. And the, method, the word for Methuselah in the Greek is this. Okay, notice this, very interesting. When he dies, there will be an emission or radiation. Ah, now that is interesting, isn't it? What will be? There will be radiation. Hmm. So he was not even talking about the judgment of Noah. (laughs) You need to understand this. There will be an emission. That is essentially what it means. There will be a radiation. And you see how apt the Bible is. Now we are talking about a bi- the primitive book called Genesis. And if I have to say in Telugu, ni face. Your mokam. Ni mokam, your face, ni face. Okay. <laughs> you see, this is a primitive book, primitive. And it is the most up to date. You don't understand. You have no idea of the, the sophistication of the book of Genesis. The sophistication. The sophistication of the law. You have no idea. I mean, you, if you really, you have to do, there was a guy called Eli, ah, forget his name. Rabbi Eli, something, forget his last name. You know what he, he actually did, uh, uh, what we call as a statistical analysis on the, in the, in the law, on the Torah. What we call as an equidistant letter sequence. And he found the precise, he, he found the precise order of the words in the law. And he says, the probability that it happened by chance is one in one million or something. It's an impossible event. And he, he published in a statistical journal, uh, of, I mean, America's Journal of Statistics. It's a, it's a, it's a peer reviewed journal. And it was, it was acceptable for publication. The precision, the sophistication. You should look at the Torah, the sophistication in the Bible. It's incredible. It's beyond its time. I mean, of course, it has to be. It's God's. So when he says, when he dies, what comes? Radiation. Kya baat hai? Huh? See, that is the reason why it's very important for us to realize, according to the faith, will your, will it be done unto you? According to your faith? So if you are rapture ready, you should have rapture ready kind of a faith. Mm-hmm. So second, second Peter chapter 3 verse 10 will say, but the day of the Lord will come. How will it come? As a thief in the night. Of course, that's exactly what Matthew chapter 24 will say. In which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with a what heat? With a fervent heat, which is talking about electromagnetic radiation. And what does Methuselah mean? When he dies, radiation will come. Understand this. So, now look at this. Now look at this. So, what was the word that, uh, that, uh, that Enoch heard? <laughs> and that became the, 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 what statement, what, what do you call? The, some statement, no? The objective of his life. No, when you say, it's, it's called objective statement of his life. A vision statement, thank you. The vision statement, if you will, of Enoch. The vision statement of his life. What was the message he heard? What was the message he articulated? So if I were to ask you this question, who is the first prophet in the Bible? Excuse me? That's what you say? Hmm? 
The first prophet in the Bible is Enoch. Alright? Look at what it says according to Jude, chapter 1. Jude will talk about this, okay? Jude will talk about this. Let us look at the essence of, of the, of the message that he heard. Okay, let's read it. Okay. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam prophesied. We'll stop there for a minute. Okay, let's go, not, let's not go beyond that. Okay. Prophesied. Now, if when I analyze the life of Enoch, I have at least four lessons for a person, for an individual who is rapture ready. A rapture ready individual. He has got four attributes. How many attributes? Put this in your mind and meditate it. And if you tell me if you're not rapture ready, okay? This is what I, through my study, I just what I found out. He has a vision. What does he have? An ambition or a goal. Okay? He has a burden. What does he have? A burden. Third, he has an attestation. What does he have? An attestation. A vision or an ambition or a goal. He has a burden. Now, these burdens are not formed because, uh, you know, the burden of the Lord. You know, it's, this is basically God. God worked upon you. He were, you have been dealt with by God. Prophets are not made no, just normally, okay? Prophets are made in the furnace of affliction. They've been dealt with by God. If you look at Elijah, another rapture-ready person, at least he had two incredible experiences, what we call as, what? Kiryat, which, which means cutting and Chariot, which I'm sorry, and uh, Zarefat, which means refining. Two, at least two uh, experiences in his life. So he has a vision, he has a bird, uh, uh, he has a burden. Third thing, he has an attestation, what we, which, what we call as a testimony or a reference letter from God. Fourth, to accomplish all this, he has what? Dedication or consecration. Four things. Understand this. Let's 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 review it. What does he have? Everybody says that. Vision. He has a burden. He has a Attestation. Fourth thing, to accomplish all this, he has dedication or consecration. Understand this. So, if you want to be rapture ready, you have to have four things. What should you have? A vision, a burden, an attestation, and consecration or dedication. So, let's, let us look at what a prophet's in essence. How do prophets relate to the world? How do prophets relate to the world? Prophets, the essence. Okay? Because he's called the prophets. Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 22. Blessed are you, men, when men hate you, and men exclude you, and revile you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. What should you do? Egri ganteyal. You know, you should rejoice and jump for joy. I mean, if I was there, I would just jump, okay? For indeed... Your reward is great in heaven, for in the like manner their fathers did to the... Okay, the relationship with the world is very clear. What is he? He is hated, he is excluded, he is reviled. And he is called as evil, bad man. You know what is... See, somebody... <laughs> Jordan Peterson is... Somebody... Uh, uh, Bill Meyer, you know, you know, you heard Bill Meyer, right? Bill Meyer, oh, Bill Meyer. Bill Meyer and Jordan Peterson. No, they were having a, having a very interesting dialogue. So they were asking this question to each other. So Bill Meyer said, "What is politically what is political correctness?" And Bill Meyer's definition was: political correctness means exaltation of sensitivity over truth. Okay. Now, Jordan Peterson. I mean, I'm, she's brilliant. Okay, actually, see, this is this fellow is half conservative. 
is not is is liberal conservative kind. Of, you know, it's Godami the Pili, Gopi, basically. He doesn't know where he stands. Okay, he's on the wall. He says exaltation of sensitivity over truth. And suddenly Jordan Peterson he corrects it. He says no, 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 no. He says moral posturing of sensitivity over truth. What is that? Moral posturing of sensitivity. I'll give you an example. For example, Abigail. Okay, sorry, Abigail. The other day she was praying, Dad. Lord, let my dad not use my example. And th- thankfully, God answered, God answered her prayers and she did not. But this day in the morning, she got a place so she didn't pray that. So, <laughs> so Abigail example. Okay. Now look at this. Let us say Abigail is a, she, um, I mean, so there's personal testimony of Abigail, okay, from, from her father, okay. She, she came to me when she was doing a fifth grade, fifth grade, and she was doing a, my, my arithmetic problem. And she did an arithmetic addition using fractions. And I told, I told you, right? The greatest struggle every student has in fraction. I didn't teach her math at all till that day. I never even taught her addition. I never, I never even inter- interfered in her education till that day. Okay, that day I had a revelation. And she had two things. And she came to an answer. I looked at that. So how did you write that? And I traced back the entire piece. In Telugu, it is Bandabutu. <laughs> everywhere, everywhere, there are not just mistakes, there are blunders. I said, no, Abigail, what is going on? True, the proverb has come true. Pandita Putraha Paramasundaha. You are not, you are, this is not Paramanandaya Sishwala Katha. No, I was getting all these things in my mind. I was like, what is going on over here? Moment of truth. Now, look at this. Abigail, you are terrible math. That is the truth. Now, Papa, how bad you are. How dare you call me that I am such a bad person. Bad in math. You are a monster. That is what you call as moral posturing of sensitivity. Because you called out that I am bad in math, what is happening? And because you are calling me out and you are not caring about my feelings, but I, see, have I become an enemy because I am speaking the truth? No, the, the, the complete, the problem is forgotten. What is happening? Your moral posturing over sensitivity. Oh, how insensitive the pastor is. He doesn't care about my feelings. That is what we call as moral posturing. What are you doing? You're calling the pastor a monster. A monster of iniquity, if you will. Hmm. Understand? We need to understand this. There is no room for political correctness in the church. It is for your, for our own soul. Forget about you and me. I want it for my own self. I want pastor to be radically honest. I mean, if I can, at least at that moment in time, with me. Don't moral posture. How dare pastor says that about me? Look at how loyal I've been to the church. And this is what he says about me. What do you mean? What are you talking about here? Let's deal with the issue. Mm -hmm. Do you understand, my brothers? Okay, don't get upset with me, okay? I'm just telling you, my heart, okay? I love you, alright? Honestly, right? Rejoice in that day and leave for joy. For in that manner, the fathers did to the prophets. And what did the prophets do? They said, you are that man. 
You are that man. They might have, they might be using all kinds of uh, interesting uh, parables to to capture you and trap you. So with David, he uses because he was a shepherd, he will use a parable of a shepherd as a lamb, no. But he will trap you. He will point the finger at you. Moral posturing. We have, we are living in that day where you moral, you forget about the issue and you talk about the person who has pointed out the problem and you call him evil. Moral posturing. You see? You don't want that. Hmm? Prophets, therefore the essence. Woe to you. Ah, let's read that. When? All men. So that is very important. Okay. So at least some people should have some good opinion about you, Baba. Please. Okay. Some people. No, not, not all. When all men speak, this guy is great. If everybody says, they did the same to the false prophets. So the essence, the relationship with the prophet to the world, one of the things the prophet is, he is hated by the world. That's the reason why Jesus says, I am not of the world. If I was of the world, the world would not have hated me. But since they have hated me, they have proven to me that they are not of me, but they are of the world. The world will hate, hate you. And the word Job means, you know what the word Job means? The one who is hated. The one who is hated. So the first thing you need to understand, the prophet has, there is, there is a relationship of a prophet with the world. What is the essence? They don't give you recommendation letters. You will not be called to conferences. You go to go and preach once in their church, from the next time they will not call you. If they call you the next time, the third time they will not. Definitely not. I'm not saying you should be <laughs> obnoxious, willfully, no. But you just won't preach the truth. They will not be able to handle. I mean, you are a bunch who was well taught, okay? I'm telling you honestly, I love to teach you guys because you already have the word in your mind. It's easy to teach you. Go to other churches, boys, you will struggle. Some, something is like, what is he talking? You don't know? No categories at all in their minds. So the first thing the prophet needs is what we call as a vision. What is the, what is the, what is the, why is the vision very important to him? Because Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 will say, where there is no prophetic vision, where there is no prophetic vision, what do people do? They cast off all restraint. That is the ESV translation. Look at what it says in the Amplified, just to get a better rendering of this entire verse. Where there is no vision, which means no revelation of God and His Word, revelation of God and His Word, the people are unrestrained. Now, what is unrestrained means meaning they have no focus in their lives. They just scatter all their energies. Get up in the morning. What do you do? Scattering your time. Scatter your, scatter your energy. Scatter your resources. Your youth, you think you have all the time in the world. You see, I'll tell you something. This, this is, it's like, you know, your time is like a, a loaf of bread. Okay? Time, like your life is like a loaf of bread. When you are, let's say, between 1 to 10. Let's say your lifespan is 80. Okay? Give us 80. 80. Let's give all GTC people will live for 8 years minimal. Okay? Or rapture takes place. Minimal. These, either these two things happening. Okay? <clears throat> so 80. 80 is your lifespan. Let's say. When you are 10, year, 10 years old, how much is left? 70. So 70 is left. Okay? When you are 20 years old, how much is left? 60 is left. Each year is how, how much now? 1 by 60. Now keep on moving. You know what happens? The fraction keeps reducing and reducing and reducing. It is not equal. And you'll notice in your own life, 
When you are young, the days are kind of longer. By the time you come to your middle age, the days are just vanishing like this. You put I started now. It's getting. You know what? It is actually happening. You know why? Because time is a physical quantity. It is not just one linear quantity which will live between 19 uh, something something and this one. This is just not one linear line. It's a physical quantity. And you know what? By the time you come to 50 years old, and you know what happens? Every day is shorter now for you. And how come the days are shorter? Because you have lived quite a long now. Quite a long time. Right? Remember, oh, the holidays are so long during summer for you. For us, summer vacation happens like this. Before we know it, the semester starts. Am I right? You started college. Somebody, some, some of you started college by already now you're in the third year, final semester. How did, how did time pass so fast? You know why? 20 years I pay me could That your time is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. When you're smaller, when you're younger, you think you're, you have long time. That is the reason why you read very slow. Okay. You understand? So, what is, when there is no prophetic vision, what do people do? They cast off all restraint. So what did Enoch have? He had a vision. What did he have? He had a prophetic vision. And therefore he was not restrained. He was focused. That brought focus in his life. Exodus chapter 32, verse 25. Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, you see, they were unrestrained. They did not have direction. They did not have focus. And why? There was a priesthood which did not have vision. They did not have purpose. They made them unrestrained. Understand this? Second Thessalonians chapter 2 will say, do you not remember that when I was still, when I was still with you, I told you these things and no, now you know who is restraining. For the mystery of lawless, lawlessness is already at work and he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way and the lawless person will be revealed. So first thing you need to understand, he has a vision and corresponding to the vision, he has a life which is restrained. That means which has what we have, what we call as Focus. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 will say, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind or self-discipline or self-control. Why? I do not want to be unrestrained. I know that I have limited energy. I have limited resources. With this limited resources, limited time, limited energy, I want to be focused on the purposes of God. I don't want to waste my time. Understand that? Acts chapter 26 verse 19. So then King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. Who said this? Paul. It was a vision. God prophesied, prophetically told me what I'm going to do. This is the vision statement for my life. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9 will say, this is what he says. Therefore, I run thus not with uncertainty because I'm not scattering my time because I'm absolutely focused. I don't have time for small talk. For chit chat. Hmm? Thus I fight not as the one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it to subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Therefore, if you are a person who has been given a prophet, if if you've been called a prophet, what do you have? You have what we call as a vision and all of us should have a vision. Okay, a focus. Otherwise we are understand. So he prophesied. So what is the second thing the prophet has? The second thing his prophet has is he not, not only has a vision, he has a burden. What did I say? He has a burden. Look at what, look at what it says in Second Peter chapter 1 verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to take heed as light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. This is essentially a, a quickening in your heart about the second coming of Jesus. 
Okay, and then he goes on to say, Second Peter chapter one verse twenty. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God. What happened to them? They were moved. The word for moved is that they had a burden. They were moved by the Holy Spirit. They were moved by the Holy Spirit. So they had a burden, and this burden does not come in a day. Okay, all of us, in order for us to be focused in that vision that God has given us, we also need to have a burden corresponding to the vision. You understand that? You should have a burden. Okay, whatever your, your, your occupation may be, we are all in different occupations, but we have a single burden. Depending upon the occupation, okay, but the, 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 the burden is the kingdom of the kingdom of God, so essentially it's connected to the kingdom of God. So you have a burden. Third thing is that you have a attestation, what we call as a testimony. You know what, 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 what Hebrews chapter 11 will say? He had what? This testimony, right? He has a testimony. And what is a testimony? Revelation chapter 19 verse 10. This is what it says. I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and I'm your, of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You see, he has an attestation. Who's testifying? Jesus himself is testifying. This is my beloved son. Okay. So he has a vision. He has a burden. And he has an attestation. And for all this, there is something very, very important that he needs to have. What is the fourth thing? He has a dedication. Consecration or dedication. And that is where we are going to talk about today. So, now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. Now, look at this particular word. Where does Enoch want to be? Somebody said something. Yeah, among the saints. He doesn't want to come to judge the people. He wants to be among the people who will go. He had a vision. Okay, I want to be among the saints. No, we didn't sing that song. When the roll is called up, yonder I'll be there. Okay, I hope so. Yonder. Okay, so he had, he comes with ten thousands of his saints. He doesn't say millions of saints. Thousands, ten thousands. is a short, small number, Baba. Okay, considering the billions and billions of people who have, who have lived on the, on, on planet earth and the millions and millions of people who accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior, there are only, how many? Ten thousands only. Oh. That is dangerous. 144,000 according to the book of Revelation. I don't know if that is a very specific number or that is a figurative number. But if you are literally minded, you will be scared. Okay. So, 10,000 of his saints. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 will say, Dare any of you having a matter against another, go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. Do you not know that saints will, what do they do? Judge the world. And if the world were... Be, where, where to be judged by you? Are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge the angels? How much more things pertaining to this life? So what are, what, are, what is our ultimate aim should be? If you are a saint, what will you do? You will judge the world and you don't, you will not even judge the world. You will also judge the angels. Can you imagine? All the fallen angels will come and you will decide which part of hell they should be a part of. Man, that will be interesting, isn't it? But do you have this kind of an ambition in your mind? Do you think on these things? Like pastor said, the seven things, no? We have our savior. We have a father. We have a 
home we have a city we have a country i'm oh, sorry we have a sorry we have a savior we have a father we have a uh, family we have a home we have a city we have a country and in keeping with all this we have a new what the last one seventh one here you see how come you forget so easily baba the satan has come and taken all the seeds away what kind of soil are you thinking about seventh one what is the seventh one body you need a new body seven things for rapture ready what is that savior father family home city country body you are think all these things all the time thought i want a i savior is okay father is okay family i understand okay city is okay country is okay home is okay but body lord do you have the hope are you groaning in this body i'm sweating what am i doing groaning i wish i work without sweat understand this seven things so saints will judge the earth okay that's the focus that is what i what i'm saying you should need to have the, need to have this kind of a vision luke's gospel chapter 12 someone in the crowd said to him teacher tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me jesus replied man who has appointed me to be a judge over your people over over uh, between you then he said to them watch out be on guard against all kinds of greed and covetousness life does not consist in the abundance of things that you possess what are you doing sir oh high cooling it huh? okay let me use this use it for me. sam sam is considerate hmm? he will pindify technology okay <laughs> you will drain every ounce of technology you should see when we started the this lab no i'm sorry not the lab this uh, this setup you should see the initial setup he used everything in the <laughs> church office and something something sort of dangling like this you know uh, hanging like this but all was there he just made it and if you was in my lab man he would be robotics assist par excellence okay watch out be on guard against all kinds of greed life does not consist of the abundance of things you possess so he says focus i want to be a part of that so what should i do let's move on he prophesied about these men saying behold the lord comes with 10000s of his saints and what was the the prophecy that he had to execute judgment on all okay to execute judgment all so who are the saints now that is the question the saints are the people who have already been judged and been given rewards in other words they have judged themselves and they have been already been judged by god okay now he is is talking about the other kind of judgment he says to execute judgment on all to convict all who are ungodly among them and he talks about three levels of judgment of their ungodly deeds of their ungodly ways and their ungodly words harsh things the deeds the works the ways and the words what are they works ways and the words this is a very important thing we need to understand this this is what was the essence of his life he understood this god is going to judge my works he is going to judge my ways and he is going to judge my words and what kind of words harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him and let me tell you something if you have spoken against god or if you have spoken against a man of god or the church of god whom have whom have you spoken against 
you have spoken against him. That's the reason why Paul, God, Jesus tells Saul, 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 why are you persecuting me? He's not independent. So, we'll come to the next part. How does one do this? There are five lessons which I want to look at today. Enoch means dedication, consecration or separation. What is that? What does Enoch mean? Dedication, consecration or separation. That's what it means. Enoch means dedicated person. You need to have dedication. You have consecration. So, this has to happen at three levels. First, there should be a consecration or a dedication of your body. So, you have to offer your body. The first part. Second, training of the will and of the mind. The second part. Third, guarding of the altar. Three things. If you want to be of the class of Enoch, who will graduate with honors, okay, and will come along with his ten thousands of saints to execute judgment on all and convict the ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds and their ungodly ways and their ungodly words, what should you have? Three levels of consecration. Offering of the body, training of the will and of the mind, and the guarding of the altar. Three significant levels of consecration. Let us start first with the offering of the body. Let us see where this particular word dedication comes. First Kings chapter 8 verse 63. And Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings which he offered unto the Lord. Two and twenty thousand oxen and an hundred and twenty thousand sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel, what did they do? They dedicated the House of the Lord. What is that? They dedicated the house of the Lord. So, First Corinthians chapter three. Who are the house in the in the new covenant? First Corinthians chapter three, verse sixteen will say, "Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles this temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are." Therefore, the first thing for a believer, if he wants to be of the class of Enoch, what should he do? He has to dedicate, offer his body. Okay. Offer his body. Don't be like a lazy man. As a door turns on its hinges, complete a sentence, the lazy man turns on his bed. Yeah. I love Proverbs. No, it's very graphic. As a door turns on its hinges, it doesn't, see, the door doesn't go anywhere. It has only one option. To turn, Inside, turn outside. But no movement. One fulcrum. And one in here. What, is, what we call is only one degree of freedom in robotics. What is that? Rotating. It doesn't even move up and down. <laughs> only slides. Some have sliding. Some have rotating. But only one. Do you know that you are the temple of God? So what is that? First thing is the offering of the body. You are the temple. That is the reason why it says about Jesus. He went into the temple. What did he do? He threw out all the multi changes and the disciples looked at the action and he says, what did they remember? The zeal for the father's house. What did he do? Consumed him. And let me tell you something. We are a house either for God or for the demons. Understand that? Therefore it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, all things are lawful, but all things are not helpful. So what should we be very, very careful about not the things which are lawful, but only the things which are 
helpful or those, those things which edify. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Anything has a power over your life. If you can't live with YouTube, without YouTube, or Twitter, or well, the first thing in the morning, what is it? Cell phone, whatever it is, no? You know, when you, when you come back home, what does, what do your, what does your wife do? She takes that mobile phone and she's hides it somewhere. First thing she does, give me that mobile. Come on, come on. Give me that mobile and she puts it somewhere. Why? They don't want, they don't want distraction. The first thing is very important. Okay? What do you do? You go for your Bible or go for something else? Foods for the stomach and the stomach for the foods. Let us be specific now. But God will destroy both it and them. Okay? If you want to become an athlete, the other day he was saying, Pastor, that has too much of gluten, I will not eat. I said, boy, the first stage of becoming a successful athlete, manage your diet. Don't just drink Coca-Cola and Pepsi and hamburgers and you think that you'll go and perform. Impossible. First thing, and the other day, no? Pastor, that is no, that's got too much of maida, Pastor. I said, wow, kya baat hai. Good, good, good. Nice, nice. <laughs> you know, you, you know, one of the person who actually, pro, uh, who really is a, is a, is a, is a, is an evangelist for gluten-free diet is, uh, is a tennis player, Djokovic. He says, I eat only gluten-free diet. Gluten-free. We have an athlete over here. Foods for the stomach. Stomach for the foods, but God will destroy both what? It, that is the stomach and, I mean, sorry, the stomach and them. Okay, so very important. And then he goes on to say, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. So let me tell you young people, one of the sins which has a permanent mark on your character is a sin of sexual immorality. It will leave a scar in your soul for the rest of your life. You may be healed. But the skull remains. Okay. You may be healed. But the skull, scar remains. Okay. That is the reason why. You know. Why this term eunuch is, is used? Because that particular activity. Is intricately connected with yourself. I mean, you have to use these words. Intricately connected with yourself. And if you are one in that area, happy are you. That is the reason why Jesus says, you know what? There have been eunuchs who have been born eunuchs. There have been eunuchs who, who have been made eunuchs, they have been castrated by men. So that they can be, you know, eunuchs over the, over the harem. And they will not be a threat to the kingdom of God. Of, not the kingdom of God. Kingdom of man. But then he says, they are eunuchs who've been made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of God's sake. Blessed are you if you receive this. Understand this? It's intricately connected. You should listen. I mean, I'm telling you, when I was a, when I was a, when I was a young man, I loved people when they were preaching this in my, in my, in my hostel room. My ears used to just go like this. I want to listen. I want to listen. I want to listen. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. You, This is something which you have to take to heart. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's meaning. Everything in your body belongs to God. It's been bought with a price. 
And therefore it's very, very important to ensure that you, can, you, you, that you guard that gift that God has given you. Otherwise it will leave a permanent scar. It will take a long time to heal. Read the book of Proverbs. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one man, can, can one walk on coals and his feet not be seared? Absolutely not. Look at this. Therefore, look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 20. Understand this. When you go out to battle against your enemies and the biggest enemy, as I was thinking, no? I was actually thinking about this. I was driving uh, on my, on, in the car and I was thinking, what is my biggest enemy? It is not the powers of darkness. It is actually easy to fight the powers of darkness. It is very difficult to win over your own flesh. You know that? The biggest battle is here, not outside. If you get able to win here, that outside battle is easy. If you know where you sleep, we know your food, and we know where this area. Taking a stand against the enemy comes in the last. First you have to sit in Jesus Christ, you have to walk with God, and then you take a stand. You cannot take a stand unless you have won this. You understand this? Very important. Look at what it says. When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle, the priest shall approach and speak to the people. And what does the priest do? Priest do. He encourages the people. And he says to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he with, who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, etc. The priest is the one who is encouraging and prepping them. But the problem is, who's going to execute all the actions and the war plans? The officers. The officers are very clear. I mean, please will say and encourage and go. What about the officers? Look at what the officers say. The officers shall speak to the people. What man is there who has built a new house and has not? Ah. If you have not completely dedicated yourself to the purposes of God and to the battles of God, please go back. Please go back. You know, one of the best men in the Bible who encapsulates this vision is Second Samuel chapter eleven. You know, oh, I was—we were actually thinking the other day. I was teaching a hymn to the children. What what should be the theme of 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 our as we have an annual day coming up? So what is it? What should be the theme of our annual day? And we were just thinking about the theme, and I said, you know, one theme that is important is loyalty. Loyalty to whom? Loyalty to Christ. Loyalty to Christ. Absolute dedication. I've given myself completely. Look at what it says in Second Samuel chapter 11 when, uh, when David comes to Uriah. And David said to Uriah, go down to your, what? To your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house and a gift of food from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of king's house and all the servants of the Lord did not go down to his house. And so when they told David saying, Uriah did not go down to his house. You see how completely dedicated he is towards the battle. I'm not going going back there. My life is dedicated for the battles of God. Did not come from, uh, then David said to Uriah, did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your own house? You know, at this moment, if I'm going to my house, I'm going down and I'm not going up. Understand that? Look at what he says. Look at the answer. I mean, unbelievable answer. Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah 
are dwelling where? In tents. And my Lord, my officer, and the servants of my Lord, all the soldiers who are taking orders from the officers are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to, go to what? My house? Completely dedicated now. You see that? The first thing therefore, the offering of the body. The offering of the body. This is God's house. This is God's temple. These are instruments of righteousness. That's the reason why Paul says, you know what? Use the instruments of your body. The word for instrument is very interesting. Use the weapons of your body as weapons of righteousness. Weapons. First thing. Offer my body. Romans chapter 12 will say, very interesting, no? We know this very well. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. First thing. Therefore, the offering of the body is a fundamental thing that for all of us. And therefore, going through uh, periods of fasting is very important. If you really want to be of the class of Enoch, if you're intentional about it, let us, let's not kid ourselves, okay? If you're not intentional about this, we will not, we will not, we will not accomplish it. We should have a teaching which will tell us, you know what, this is what the requirements are. It's up to us. And who's there to help us? God is there to help us. The Spirit of God is there. He is more than willing. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the what of the land? The best of the land. So, First thing is the offering of your body. The dedication of your body. Dedication of your body. That is the reason why it says, a body you have prepared for me, he says in Hebrews chapter 10. A body, a body. And in that particular body, what is the most important? Your ear. Your ear is important. A body you have prepared for me. Therefore, it's very important what you discuss, what you hear, what you listen to, etc. Which is generating faith, edifying you, prepping you up to stay, stay in the straight and narrow path or not is important. Second, Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6. Very, very important verse. The word Enoch, Enoch is mentioned over here by the way. Okay. In Hebrew. Train up or dedicate when? A child. When? In the way he should go. When he is young and when he gets old, he will not depart from it. So the second part is what? The dedication of your body and the training of your will and of your mind. When should it start? As early as possible. The moment you become born again, it says in First Peter chapter 2, desire the pure milk of the word of God. Don't waste time saying, okay, fine, I'm now I'm born again. You have this euphoria and come under teaching. Don't waste time. Scatter your energies in all kinds of useless things. Come on a teaching. Get yourself trained. Doesn't matter when you when you got saved. You got saved in your 30. You got saved in your 40. You got saved in your 60. Doesn't matter. The moment you become a child, you become you have entered into the kingdom of God as a child. Train yourself up now. Give yourself up because at that moment when you became a young believer, you know what? You're very sensitive. In, in, remember the initial days when you got saved, boy, on how on fire for you for God you were you were literally reading the Bible. You were there for every Bible study. Go back to those days of first love. Train up, dedicate a child in the way that he should go. And when, when he is old or when, he, when the time comes, when he comes of age, he will not depart from the, from the path that he was taught. Therefore, dedication. What is that? It is a training of the will and of the mind. When did Jesus start? As a small baby. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. This is the NASB. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the disciple. So that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen to as a disciple. The Lord has opened my ear and I was not disobedient, nor did I 
turn back. The moment you are woken up, what do you do? Immediately up. No? You know, I remember whenever, when I was uh, uh, growing up, I had uh, a Tamilian couple who was staying in our apartment. Father, they are uh, Iyengar. Hmm? No? Very nice parents, but tough parents. The, the, the child used to come to my, the kid used to come to my home to play. And we used to play chess those days. And very, very, very nice kid, brilliant kid. He passed away in an accident. But uh, we were good friends. So after we were playing and used to discuss a lot of things. And suddenly he used to hear one clap. That's it. You know who was calling him? Father. He would stop everything. Tack. Appa Kupadra. Finished. Gone. Two shots. Two claps. He would not even call him Shriram. No. His name is Shriram. Just two claps like this. Appa Kupadra. Wherever he is, he drops everything and he goes back to, goes back to his Appa. Hey, that's what he's talking about. Jesus, Yeshua, up. Emmanuel, they'll have cramps while they're stretching. When you stretch, you have cramps, right? After that, you're stuck like that. No, you can't even get up now. Emmanuel. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, he turns Emmanuel, he gets up. <laughs> Immediate. Two knocks on the road. Tuck, tuck. Yes, up. I call her. Yes, sir. I don't call her Abigail, okay? Second. Yes, sir. Yes, dad. Up. Two knocks. And that, Jesus was not even knocked. Yeshua, his father. Up. Look at that. You know what? That's what Samuel is. Samuel is a prototype of Jesus Christ. You know where, where, where he was? He was in the temple sleeping close to the Ark of the Covenant. Samuel, he got up. I mean, can you imagine this guy, how sensitive to the call of God he was? He immediately runs to his father, to Eli and says, Eli is nicely sleeping, snoring and is going off on different channels altogether. Are Ray, I didn't call Ray. You just leave me alone, okay? I am blind and I am sleeping, both. <laughs> <laughs> See, just leave me alone, okay? This guy's like, what? Somebody call me. You know, we are so much of, we have inertia, no? Heavy people we are, like Eli. When we are sleeping, our weight is two tons. Honestly, it's true. You that is the reason why you beat your body to subjection. Don't give that fellow rest. You know, it says in, you know, this lady who comes to anoint the feet of Jesus in the, in Simon the Pharisee's home. Remember that lady? You know, it's in Telugu, it's very interesting. Nilabadi, Nilabadi Padak Sevijeshinata. She was standing and she was cleaning his feet. How can one stand and clean the feet of the feet of Jesus? How can one stand? Now think about it, no? Can you please stand better? Just imagine this is Jesus, okay? Come here. Amen, my favorite. Come here. Aman means the faithful one, okay? So just imagine, okay? That is the feet of Jesus. I'm standing behind Jesus. And I'm not even sitting. This is convenient, right? I'm not even sitting. I'm standing. I'm cleaning the feet. How can one do that? 
you know what in other words my body is given completely over in telugu it says ullu vanchadam bending your body and first first timothy chapter 5 verse 6 says the person who was given over to pleasure is dead while she is living body is given over to pleasure to comfort to soft beds understand this discipline you you want to be i mean see if you are not like this if you don't have this kind of an attitude toward god this is because we love him no see it says you know this lady she came and wept and cleaned the feet of a disciple why because she loved him much loved and she simon you got jesus tells simon you know this lady she has sinned so much and because she has sinned so much her sins which are so many have been forgiven and therefore she loves me so much and because she loves me so much she has got that kind of an attitude i remember those days when you know when we started the church in abits pastor james used to come and clean up the toilets i used to get a shock i've never seen anybody in my life any pastor doing like that no and then we used to just uh, realize look look at each other we were embarrassed actually and then he made a statement which i never forget it was etched in my mind he, the next day he came and he said because i love my god i clean the toilets this is because it's a, it's a response to what he has done to me my body is not my own miss samuel as a kid No wonder he heard the voice of God. No wonder the words of Samuel did not fall to the ground. From Dan to Beersheba, he was attested as a prophet of God. Nothing of his words fell to the ground. You know why? Because of discipline. When did he start learning? As when he was a child. Train up a child. Teach them. Teach them the the way that he has to go. Right from childhood. Give them books, not movies. Give them. Give them. No, don't give them media. Give them books. Godly books. understand this otherwise this training is so important this is so so important right from childhood that is the reason why it tells about timothy right from childhood you knew the holy scriptures which is able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in jesus christ from whom did you learn from your mother from your grandmother right from childhood and by the time paul meets timothy in luke in acts chapter 16 what is he already called what is he called disciple <laughs> he's already disciplined he's ready for ministry apostle paul looks at him and he says come on boy join my gang I mean, who? See, think about it. Now, if Apostle Paul, in hindsight, if Apostle Paul will call you to the ministry, will you not resign everything and go after the ministry because you know, in hindsight, at least twenty twenty. What a privilege! Looks, looks at him and says, "Come on, join me, join my band, join my team." Understand this: the body, the offering of the body, and the training of the will, the training of the will. I mean, I, I used to remember that guy, you know. That guy was a brilliant kid. Two claps, immediate response. Our children, Osuna Daddy, hi, Yendi Urkene. See that? Lot of difference. Luke's Gospel, chapter two. Look at what what happens to Jesus. Then, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of teachers, both what, listening to them. and asking them questions and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers this is what we call as the training of the will and of the mind 
train up your child when he's young, when he's sensitive, when he's just born again, when he's just born again, enter into the school of discipleship. So many people are all around the world who've just been born again, enter into the school of discipleship. This is the time when you're sensitive. Your spirit is sensitive. The work of God is fresh in your life. That God's word form your thinking. God's word form your will. Look at what it says. In Joseph and Mary saw him, they were bewildered. Of course they were bewildered, right? For them it's a, it's religion. For them it's not religion. Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. This is what I talk about, call about. This is called moral posturing of sensitivity over truth. How can you do this to us, Jesus? Are you not the son of God? Look at his answer. I said to him, why is that you are looking for me? In other words, why were you not here with me? <laughs> That'll be better, no? How is it? Oh, you understood everything, huh? Niko. In, 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 in the class, after we finish a lecture, no? Whoever has any questions, please stay back. Wow, people just nicely get up. If they have ties, they will just adjust their ties and they will leave. Who is left? To one idiot called the teacher. And there are few other fools who have come to realization that they know nothing. The rest, they have they know everything. Understand that? It's a lot of difference. In the class, they will sit and say, Sir, I mean, oh, okay, my goodness. You understood everything. You have one shot. Kya baat hai? You are man, you should write textbooks only. You are already. Seriously, no? Who has any questions? Stay back. How many will stay back? If you do not make a tutorial compulsory, nobody will attend. You know that? You know, in, in Canada, in, 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 in the West, it was like that. In you, India, you have to attend every class, otherwise, attendance. So if he likes it or doesn't like it, he has to be in the tutorial. In Canada, it's not like that. But you know something which I've observed in Canada? We used to have like about, let's say, 30 students in a batch. 20 students would come for the tutorial. This is after the lecture, you have a tutor who's going to help them solve the assignment. And you know why these guys come? They are, they are not spoon-fed like the people in India. They come and listen to every lecture because they pay through their nose. Here, the government pays for you. If you get a free seat. It's amazing. Their attitude. They come to the class, every class. They ask questions. And they make fun of your accent. Those guys said, did you understand it? They said, what is that? It? <laughs> their accent also. <laughs> you know, then afterwards, they, they, one of the guys that came, and, came and told me, sir, before the exam starts, I want you to, I want you to hire you as my personal tutor. He would come one day before the exam, or not one day, sorry, seven days before the exam. He would take me, sit with him. And I said, it is up to you now. You tell me to stop, I stop. 24 hours in the library teaching. Are you like that? I understood everything. <laughs> you see, when we said, you know, we, seven things you did not even remember. Savior, fa- father, family, home, city, country, and body. I mean, it's so beautifully we've been taught. You can never forget such things. How is it that it's not a part of our, of our thinking? It's not permeated into our hearts. Maybe we are not ready. Understand that. 
a surrendered will. The offering of the body and the training of the will before you are taught. John's Gospel chapter 7, verse 17. If anyone is willing to do his will, you see that? If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know about the... Ah, we will not be taught first to get the will. First you have to surrender and then you will get the taught teaching. Okay, so first thing. What is that? Offering of your body. Second thing, the training of your will and of your mind. So you offer your bodies and it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove that which is good, the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Third thing, let's go on. Nehemiah chapter 12 verse 27. And at the dedication of the, what is that? Wall in Jerusalem. What is this dedication of the wall in Jerusalem? You know what is happening now? Now you you got the teaching. Jerusalem stands for teaching. And now what are you going to do? You're going to dedicate the wall meaning you're going to guard this teaching that you received with your life. You will guard this teaching. You will guard it and say, you know what? This is the teaching that I've received and I'm not going to allow the birds of the air or the the riches of this world or the pleasures of this life or the offense of offenses in my heart to steal what God has sowed in my heart. That's the reason why it says, those, those, word, those words which fell on stony ground or those people, when they hear the word, they forget immediately. You know why? Because Satan has come and has taken away all the word that was sown. Those people who are shallow ground, they get offended easily because when the, when the persecution or testing comes because of the word, they easily get offended and they fall away. Third kind of people, what kind of people? They are so, they're sowed among thorns. You know, the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things choke the word and they don't come to fruition. The fourth kind of people. They bring forth fruit even a hundredfold according to gospel according to Luke. Understand this therefore. Dedication of the wall. What is it? That means they are guarding the teaching that they've got. Now this, this teaching that I've got, I'm going to guard it with my dear life because my faith is directly connected with the teaching. And if I have to be ready for rapture, I should listen and prepare myself with the teaching which will prepare me for rapture. Understand that? Okay? So the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. They sought the Levites out of all the places. To bring them to Jerusalem. To keep the dedication with gladness. With thanksgiving. With singing. With cymbals. And psalteries. And with harps. And that's exactly the reason why the Bible says. Speaking to one another. How? With psalms and hymns. And songs of worship. Colossians chapter 3 will say. Let the word of Christ what? Richly dwell in you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. How? By speaking to one another. With psalms and hymns. And songs of worship. So first thing. The offering of your body. Training of your will and of your mind. Therefore, surrender your will. Come under authority. Subject yourself to authority. Come under people who will speak into your life. Come under teaching or every interaction. Let there be some kind of a spiritual transaction that takes place. You know, I'm just giving an example from my own life because empirical data is here. I just want to see myself if I'm ready for rapture. So Tuesday and Thursday, I want to meet pastor. So when I come to come, come to the meeting, I come say, so Lord, I want something to happen to you. I just don't want to come and give attendance and go, hello pastor, I'm here. Hello present sir. No, no, no. Lot of people give login, no? I'm logged in. And after that, they're logged out. Wait in their mind. Excuse me. Lockdown. I want something to happen. I'll just say, I want something. This has to be fruitful. 
It is incumbent upon me, not even about the pastor. Okay. So dedication of the wall, they sought what? Priests who would empower the teaching. That is the reason why Paul plants, both are important. The planting is important and the watering is also important. If you don't plant, and if you, do, if you plant and don't water, what will happen? There will not be any growth. My, my landlords are leaving for US. The first instruction they have said, the maid is going to come. She is not used to watering the plants. Please, can you please ensure that every day she comes and waters the plant. Sometimes, you know, they are so meticulous. Sometimes, you know, the maids think, you know, because it has rained, I don't have to water. Please tell them that that, day, that is the day they have to specifically water. You know why? Because most of the times the rainwater falls on the leaves and it just falls away like that and doesn't go into the roots. I looked at them and said, Baba, what dedication hai, Baba? It has to go to the roots. Please tell the maid. I mean, you should, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, when the, 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 the previous generation, you should see how meticulous they are. You should learn from them. Dedication through little, little things. I mean, he was, the other day I had to drill a hole in my wall. And I asked him, uncle, can you just come and help me out? Because I don't have the instruments. You should see the kit that he has got. Everything in its proper order. Screwdrivers, hammer, chisel, knife. I looked at him and I said, wow, 65 years old, 67 years old. What is this dedication? I mean, for the, there was a painting job that happened in my home the last week. I have, uh, two days I'm out. Uh, after that I was my, my, I was completely, you know, gone. And this man was standing there from morning till evening looking at every part of his home, whether it is done, uh, done or not. You know, that's exactly what, you know, if you own something and if you are renting something, there's a difference. You see, the dedication little things. Watering is important. Therefore, you have to water the word. You receive the word. Water it. And it's very interesting. But Apollos is the one who waters. You know what it talks about? Apollos, a man who is mighty in the scriptures. Therefore, you need a Jew who is mighty in the scriptures to water. And you a Jew who is mighty in the scriptures to plant. Both are important. Who are you listening to? People who water what has been sown? Strengthen what has been received? Are the legitimate voices? Like last, last uh, uh, Q&A that we heard. Are, are, are they Labans? And what will God tell Laban? Don't speak anything, good or bad. Because you are a legitimate voice. Unauthorized voice. Not sent, you just went. So very guard your minds and hearts. Vinadagun evvaru cheppina. Vininantane. Vegarapadakavivarimpadagun. Listen. Listen, listen, listen carefully. Test everything. Is it watering or is it killing or destroying the seed that has been sown? You remember? Oh, that guy comes to the to the baptism of the Holy Spirit service. Suddenly he receives the gift of tongues. He is on fire for God. And then he goes and tells somebody, you know, I received the gift of tongues. Hey, there's nothing called gift of tongues. Gone. Tuss. Gone. Zor. Immediately planted, immediately gone. Sirida vache vache na, sirida poye poye. Gone. 
Siri means money. That in terms of the word of God. It just came and it just immediately vanished. It's like our bank balance. It comes in the morning. By the next second, everything gone. See, understand this. <laughs> Lot of relatability. See, I'm using it. <laughs> it's gone. It comes and it goes. Understand this, my dear brothers. Water. Let it. Money is okay. What, what about the word? You guard it with your dear life. Think about it, no? One of the most significant teachings was on hope. And most of us have even forgotten it. Even though it was reiterated in so many contexts. It's not even a part of our thinking. Am I I thinking on those lines? You see? Very important. Therefore, guard. Guard the teaching. Guard, guard, guard it with your dear life. Put walls around it. Because he who breaks through through a hedge, what will happen to him? He will be bitten by a Serpent. So these walls of teaching that God gives you, that pulpit which is essentially a wall, a watchman who stands on the wall and warns you of the coming danger and says, tells you the day of the Lord is near. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. It's, it's, the, it's either battle and all hands on the shore, on the, on the oars. Guard it. Don't let anybody steal the teaching that you receive. Especially your peers. Okay? So, yeah, I remember Jehoshaphat. Remember, you know what? One of the significant attributes of Jehoshaphat. You know what he did after he brought revival into the kingdom. He sends Levites throughout the entire country to teach them the ways of the Lord. You know that? And some people in the northern country, he sends them even to the northern country of Israel, who's where somebody else, some other king is reigning. And what do they do? They mock these teachers and they send back these teachers back to Jerusalem and Judah. But what do we do? We also do it. Scoff and mock. So next thing. Guard. Guard. Numbers chapter 7, verse 20. Numbers chapter 7, verse 84, the last thing. First thing. First thing, what do you do? Offer your body. Second, train your will and your mind. And the most important part of training your mind is most most of the time you have to guard it. From all kinds of negative things. That is the reason why it says the for a helmet. Ah, thank you so much. The hope of salvation. My thoughts are on my hope. My hope is connected to the next life, not this life now, not best life now. The life to come. Numbers chapter seven, verse eighty-four. The last thing. This was the dedication of the altar. What is that? The dedication of the altar. So the third thing you should dedicate or you have to guard is your altar, your prayer life, your personal relationship with God. Personal relationship with God. Every day of your life. Look at what it says about Jesus. How he guarded this altar. The altar of prayer. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 7 to 8. In the days of his humanity. I like this. In the NSB. In the days of his humanity. Flesh below it's very, very technical. No, In the days of his humanity. He offered up both prayers and look at that. You are, you, you are, there's an autocarrot in your mind. You're reading, please, and you're calling supplications. What is it? Please. You know what pleading is? Jesus! That is what it is. Please. Please meaning. Artanadam. Lord help me. It's crying out like that. Prayers and please. With how? Loud crying and tears to the one who is able to 
save him from death. And he was heard because of his devout behavior. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. You see that? What is it? He guarded that relationship with God. Every time when people used to come and praise him, he used to go to the highest place, to the mountains and pray. Secluded himself and prayed and said, Lord, my, my life with you, Lord. My relationship with you. I told you, you know, this example of Shibu. My, one of my mentors when we were growing up. We went to a gospel camp, okay? Was one of the most, there was a life-changing experiences after that. We, uh, many of our, uh, uh, of our uh, uh, team members in, our, in that, in that uh, Bible study group got baptized. We had a revival on campus because of Shibu. He preached his heart out, okay, during one of the sessions. We were in Masuri, okay? There's a school called Woodstock School, no? Just next to Woodstock School, we had a beautiful campus and it was completely separated from the world, literally, honestly, on the mountains, you know? There's some kind of a spirit on the mountains, I tell you. You're separated. The atmosphere is completely serene and pure. I remember uh, Derek Prince saying, you know, when I'm flying on the, in the aeroplane, I feel it is easier for me to pray because I, I believe that I've broken through the second barrier. That's what he says. So... You know, in the mountains, in Masuri, you know, we were completely secluded. After that, we had a fantastic revival meeting. We just wept and we cried and we rededicated our lives to the Lord. He, Shibu preached his heart out and it was an afternoon session. Just before the afternoon session was, uh, just after the afternoon session was over, we all wanted to sleep and I slept. We were in the other room. Shibu was in the other room. I just wanted to take a, I wanted to go to the washroom and I was just passing by Shibu's room, okay? Shibu on his face before God. Crying out and saying, Lord, it was not me, Lord. It was not me, Lord. It was not me. Lord, do a work in these years. I just looked at us prayer, okay? And I said, it was not me, Lord. I never want to take glory to myself. These are the cries. And I was hearing it loud. I mean, in his room because we were all sleeping. And I didn't tell him that, no? I looked at him and I said, man, this is what I want to serve. This is what I want to become. And I remember when his son came, you know, he came to me, he came to our home and he stayed with us for a while and he sent an offering with his son to me. The son gave me an offering, daddy wanted to give this to you. I said, I don't want, I don't want it, I can't take it. I said, he's my, he's my mentor, how can I take something from a mentor, no? I said, uh, then uh, he, Caleb, he pinged back his father and he said, Vijay uncle is not taking the offering. He immediately pinged me and he said, Vijay, please don't reject the offering that I'm giving you. You are living at a higher level than me. Of higher level than faith than me. You are completely depending upon God for your daily needs. I have a job. And I want to encourage and support your ministry because you are living at that level. And I want just broken tears. If the Lord tells you to reject my offering, after that how can I reject? You see, those are the people, you know, who had that kind of a prayer life. Who stood the test of time. Who never allowed success to get into their heads. Even though the, they were successful people, he became an associate professor, professor full head of the department of the of, uh, department of mechanical engineering, Bitspilani, Pilani, Goa, Goa campus. A big, I mean, he was really doing well. Building a church on campus. And I've never seen him change in all these 25 years. 15, 20 years. Two decades. You know why? Because they had this. They altar with God. They guarded that relationship with God. 
crying out to God when nobody is watching them. Do you have that? Secret. That is the reason why it says, your father who sees you in what? Secret. Will reward you openly. God. Genesis chapter 14. Abraham went up from Egypt. He and his wife and all that he had and lot with, with him to the south. Abraham was very rich in livestock in silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and I to the place of the what? Of the altar. Place that was dedicated for God. Hanok. The word is Hanok means dedicated. A life of dedication in secret. Giving in secret. Fasting in secret. Praying in secret. A secret life with God. Guarding that with all of your heart. Knowing that the eyes of the Lord are in every, every place. Beholding that which is good and that which is evil. Genesis chapter 35. Verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God. Who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother. The first initial place where I met you. Go back. Go back to that place. Guard it with all of your heart. And you know what happened to Joseph, Jacob. Remember that song? Nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee. What a song, no? It's unfortunate we sing it during funerals only. You should sing it every time, every time actually. It's a life of Jacob. Nearer my God to the nearer to the even though be, be across that raises me. Still all my songs shall be nearer my God to the nearer my God to the nearer to the. Though the sun gone down, darkness be over me, my rest is stone, still in my dreams I'll be nearer my God to the nearer my God to the nearer to the. There in my dreams steps unto heaven. Angels to beckon me. Nearer my God to thee. Nearer my God to thee. Nearer to thee. You see, that is the place, the altar, the place where you meet God. Guard it with all of your heart. So what does, um, what does, uh, Elijah do? So Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came and he, what? Repaired the altar, which was dedicated to God. So three things we looked at, you know. First thing, in order for us to have this kind of life, which will give us faith, which will make, make, make us rapture ready, four things are needed. First, you need a vision. Second, you need what? What do you need? I also forgot. <laughs> what do you need? Burden. Third thing, attestation. Fourth thing, dedication. In that dedication, you need three things again. One in that dedication, you have to, a dedication of your body, a training of your will, and a guarding of your altar. The offering of your body, the training of your will, and the guarding of your mind, and the, uh, of your altar. Four things. Keep that in your mind. A vision, dedication, uh, sorry, uh, um, uh, vision, burden, de- attestation, and dedication. A vision, burden, attestation, and dedication. And in that dedication, three things. The offering of your body, the training of your will and of your mind, and the guarding of your altar. Seven things will make you the seventh from Adam. Understand? Seven things will make you seventh from Adam. Otherwise, you know what? We'll be kidding ourselves. No, I'm ready. <laughs> we are not ready. <laughs> Actually, we don't even know. We are in that, that's, that place where we are not sure. That not sure space ko kai kore na? 
I think it is better to be in a not sure space when than to be absolutely sure. Not sure space and going towards absolutely sureness. It's, be, it's better to be there. Don't be completely complacent. I'm already there. No, that is dangerous. But don't even have this mind in your mind. I should be ready because you do not know what is coming on this world. I don't want to be a part of that wrath being poured and coming through judgment. It really, I mean, honestly, why do you want to be a part of that? Why do you want to be a part of that? And God is actually giving us a way out. But it's only individuals who will be rapturedly. Shall we pray? This morning, let's actually rededicate our lives and say, Lord, we hurt so much in these years. I pray, Father, that each one of us will have that vision, O oh Lord. That you have given them. Each one of us, that vision, that vision, and corresponding to that vision, they will have a burden. And they will have an attestation from God, this testimony. And to accomplish all this burden, this vision, this burden, and this attestation that from you, they will have a dedication. In that they will offer, all of us, we will offer our bodies. We will surrender our wills. And we will guard our altars. We will offer our bodies, we will surrender our wills, and we will guard our altars, O Lord, with all of our heart. That relationship that we have with you. Because you are coming. And you will judge our works. You will judge our ways. And you will judge our words. And your word says for every word that you have spoken, you have to give an account. And I pray, Father, that we will become circumspect. We will walk as wise and not as fools. Like the way Enoch walked circumspectly. Your word says Enoch walked with God. But how can somebody walk with a holy God? A God who is absolutely holy. Who is absolutely the other. Righteous. There is no unrighteousness in him. And your word says that you dwell in unapproachable light. How is it possible that a man can do it? If not, that he walked with you circumspectly. Knowing that you are a holy God. Weighing the words. Weighing his actions. Understanding whether his ways were in conformity to the ways that you have showed him. Your word says the Lord can two walk together unless they are agreed. And he agreed with you in every way. And I pray Father that we will have that kind of a single minded dedication. That we will understand your ways. In that, Lord, we will surrender our minds and our wills, O Lord, so that we can understand and learn your ways. You said, O Lord, Father, you will teach sinners your way. The meek you will guide in your paths. I pray, Father, that we will acknowledge the fact that we are sinners. That we will be meek. That we will not disappear when the teaching is over. That we will linger like Joshua at the tent of God, at the tent of meeting. Linger and understand. Let the spirit permeate our thinking. Let it percolate, O Lord Jesus, into the deepmost parts of our inner man. That will become a part of our consciousness, O Lord. It will be consciously meditating upon what you have already spoken, O Lord, especially in these last days. To that, I pray that you would bless each and every one of us, O Lord.
that we will have this dedication in offering of our bodies, surrendering of our wills and of our minds and guarding our altars. Bless us, O Lord Jesus, with your presence and even as we go about the rest of the day, Lord, let this word be a part of our hearts. Let it, let it not let, the, let not the enemy steal, O Lord. That we will have a vision, we will have a burden, and Lord, we will, O Lord Jesus, surrender ourselves, O Lord Father, to the purposes of God. Accomplish it, O Lord Jesus, in the strength that you give us. Thank you, Father. Bless us, O Lord, to that end. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name, mighty name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen.